Afghanistan. I mean, it was not a popular war here in Canada. It was not a popular war for decades in the United States. But every hour of every day, this news story is doing, from my experience, what not many news stories do. It goes back into history. It says who we are as a country, not just other countries. It's testing individuals about their morals and ethics and what they can do to save people's lives. And it's all happening during an election campaign. Incredible story as we are hoping that more rescue planes can get out of Afghanistan with those who have helped Canadians. And we're hearing lots of comparisons and lots of warning bells about how this should not have happened. We have a great guest as we talk about what's happening right now, Shuvaloy Majumdar, who's a senior fellow at McDonald Laurier Institute, former director of policy to Canada's foreign minister, foreign policy director at Monk. What do you make of this, Shuv? I mean, it's just incredible. Words are not enough, but let's talk about it right now from a process point of view. Are you satisfied that things with all this pressure are getting a bit better or no? Absolutely not. I mean, we've seen um, an American president declare foolishly 9-11, the 20th anniversary, as the objective, stated objective date of withdrawal for the United States and creating an expectation that somehow this would be an orderly withdrawal. And then in early July, pull the rug out from Afghan fighting forces by leaving them on the battlefield under cover of darkness at night and in the midst of secrecy. So when they woke up the next morning on July 6th, there was no air support, there was no new missions, there was no air cover coming from Bagram Air Base, everything was shuttered, and, and the Americans didn't even have the decency to tell their Afghan allies and partners who, whose death toll is nearly 70,000 in service of this war effort for their country and for our coalition uh, that they were on their way out. And so it shouldn't be surprising, shocking as it has been, that that vacuum would be filled by ubiquitous forces and that the Taliban were able to move in in two weeks uh, and take a country hostage at the scale that it has is just heartbreaking, especially because we see 20 years of effort that the Afghan people have paid in blood and treasure, that their international allies have paid in blood and treasure just go up in smoke. Uh, and so it's, it's heartbreaking, it's heart-wrenching, I think, for a lot of people who have spent time working to serve the Afghan people in different capacities. Uh, I'd have to say there's just a a mixture of shock and disappointment that has uh, threatened to become overwhelming. We've been looking at the process politically here in Canada, and the pressure is on. At first, um, Prime Minister Trudeau said that people couldn't get to the airport. Then we heard incredible stories about a lack, total lack of support from Canada. Texts, can you get there? knowing that they had less than a sporting chance of making it to the Kabul airport without any kind of support. Politically, we're hearing some conflicting reports. Right now, what do you believe is happening here in Canada? Look, on the eve of an election campaign, this story broke, and within two weeks, Kabul had essentially been overrun by the Taliban. And the prime minister, our prime minister, decided to get in front of cameras and manage the issue rather than have a plan in place that he could have had months to prepare for, if not more, um, and declare that, oh, okay, we're going to take in 20,000 refugees. There was no plan. There were no cabinet committee meetings. There were no disciplined efforts across government that, uh, you know, having served in government, I know what's involved. It's a Herculean task 
that you know would have to begin months in advance to organize how the Defense Department and Foreign Affairs and Immigration Canada and Public Safety would all work together to create a portal to take not just our people out, but those who supported us and those we supported. And it's become abundantly clear in the last week, especially, that this government has been completely asleep at the switch. They had no plan. They did not have the backs of our people. They abandoned people to gas stations where they're trying to figure out how to situate them to the airport uh, as recently as a couple of days ago. I am encouraged, though, that I'm starting to hear reports that Canadian Special Forces have been authorized to move outside of Kabul International Airport to try and retrieve individuals who have received visas and paperwork. But that visa and paperwork process is so onerous and non-responsive that, you know, it, it is revealing that despite the amazing efforts of the Canadian Public Service, the political government, the elected government, did not take the responsibility it had to keep our people safe seriously and are now trying to manage a mess. You know, from the beginning of this pullout, when it looked like things were going badly, we knew that we were on the verge of an election campaign here. And here we are one. I mean, you just couldn't. It just blazed in front of our minds. Anybody who went through the election in 2015, the boy in the beach changed the direction. Justin Trudeau showing compassion in words and really hammering that to his advantage. Here we are with this pullout of Afghanistan, the chaos the incompetence, just pick whatever word you want to you wanna use here. We are in an election campaign here, and these words are being spoken against this government, one that used emotion in a situation and grabbed the word refugee and pulled it close to their own heart. What do you, kind of damage, if any, do you think is happening right now in this election campaign to this government? Look, it's a great question. And, and, you know, the politics of it, it will play itself out. I mean, if, if, if you're a Canadian voter that cares about the status of women around the world, then the Afghan women that are being betrayed by this government should feature centrally in your decision point around whether or not you think this government is worthy of support. This government has created malpractice in policy by clinging to slogans and treating slogans as policy, where instead it should be disciplined about what the interests of Canada are. In Afghanistan, the interests of Canada, the hard interests are to ensure that country never again becomes a basis for international terrorism to be inflicted upon us or our allies. This event has singularly enabled and emboldened extremists around the world to rival us. The secondary responsibility for this government is to protect our national interests against our geopolitical rivals. China and Russia will see what has happened in Afghanistan as an inherent weakness of the West. And has Prime Minister Trudeau taken... President Joe Biden to task? Has he made the decisions that he needs to make to try and make sure that our people can come out safely? Or has he proven that he has not learned in six years of government since the refugee crisis he was elected upon? The need to actually do as you say, not just virtue signal on the world stage. And I find that to be, and I'm sure many Canadians find that to be incredibly frustrating. You know, as we look to the United States, let's be fair, the previous the previous government, the previous president wanted to bring the Taliban to Camp David to talk and do a deal. So we knew this was coming, and now it is here. What does it say? I mean, I, it's a tough question to ask, but should Canadians have cared more? Should Americans have changed more? Is this a war that got put in the cupboard and the door was closed? We fail to define and clearly articulate the enemy, meaning we we seem to have this myth. And I I remember when I was in government that I was not alone. 
you know, we understood that the Taliban were an enemy enabled and empowered by Pakistan's secret services. This is an organization that has had oxygen, ammunition, money, training, logistical support, communications advice provided from the deep state of Pakistan, which is actually very sophisticated in how they have been waging a consistent 20-year campaign against us using our own resources. At the same time, the West, Canada included, has been participating in what former American National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster has defined as 21-year wars. Our bureaucracies were divided. Our military campaigns were not cohesive. Our efforts, beginning as, you know, uh, distracted by Bush in the Iraq War, um, on the basis of ideology withdrawn by Obama, uh, limited into a ridiculous negotiation by Trump, and now uh, an irresponsible withdrawal by Biden. Four successive generations of American presidents who have failed Mm -hmm. to focus on exactly what would have been in our common interest and what a disciplined campaign would have looked like. So here we are uh, among an alliance in a mess, in a country that is now being taken by the worst actors for the worst reasons. And it makes us question, you know, as a country, are we alone? How do we chart our own independent view forward? What are the new alliances we need to build so that we can actually accomplish the things we state we want to? Uh, But some really existential questions upon all of us now. All right. A process and the political, complicated, emotional. What about the personal? Shuv, there's there's people like yourself who are connected here, and I know everybody's trying to keep names and details quiet, but it's taking a personal toll on those who are picking up this responsibility that has just been dropped. To a per- Thank you for noticing, Arlene, but to a person that you know in, is in the comfort of the West and has served alongside Afghans, we have it quite easy. And the kind of effort that it's taking for all of us to interact with each other, to coordinate through multiple countries' visa regimes, to come up with logistical solutions for Afghans in Kabul or outside Kabul to get inside Hamid Karzai International Airport, it's a, it's a monumental task. It's brought a community of people who I think, you know, uh, have a common point of reference and a common language together. Um, but until there is, you know, a broad-based plan to establish humanitarian refugee corridors, uh, it will all be just kind of working on the margins of the problem rather than at the heart of the problem. And unless there's a broad-based plan to confront the enemy, Pakistan's deep state, mm-hmm. deep state with sanctions, then this problem will continue to persist. I know there's a G7 leaders meeting coming soon. Yeah. I'm most concerned that our prime minister will be uh, virtue signaling on refugee numbers without an actual plan to create corridors inside the country for safety. And I'm worried that our prime minister is going to fail to seize the moment as a so-called dean of the G7 to set the terms of the table and saying, it's not the Taliban sanctions that are central to what the G7 is to decide. It's sanctioning Pakistan's deep state and understanding that that's the source of all this instability. And get to the root of the problem, you know, as so many people have wanted to do. And many other conflicts. Shuvaloy Majumdar, senior fellow at McDonald Laurier Institute, former director of policy to Canada's foreign minister, foreign policy director at Monk. Shuv, thank you. Take care. It's an honor. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a break. And we will return for Alex Pearson. I'm Arlene Bonham. Global News Radio, On Point.